This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I hurt myself today. To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, I'm here with Scott Klein and Hunter Evans. We're without Grant Gunderson today. But we thought we'd bring you in with the tunes of the great Johnny Cash and encourage you to not do as Johnny did. Please don't hurt yourself. We know you're struggling. We know you're suffering through this terrible 2-9 and nine start to 2016, but just don't do it. So, again, this is the Generation Jaguar podcast. You've got Scott Klein here, at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. How you doing, Scott? Uh, I think Johnny said it best. We're just all hurting right now. It's 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 been a long, tough grind. Yeah, it is what it is. There's always things we can find to to maybe give us some encouragement, and those things always end up falling through during the game. <laughs> <laughs> Such is life as a Jaguar fan. We've also got Hunter Evans. He's on Twitter at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. And I did not butcher that. I don't think no, I've messed no. that up yet. I think you're perfect so far, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've been struggling with it, but I've been able to overcome the obstacle there. Uh, again, I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're the Generation Jaguar podcast. Make sure to check out genjag.com. We have the latest Jaguars news and analysis, plus all the information about our fan group. Um, and make sure to follow Gen Jag on Twitter at Generation Jag on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. So uh, we've got a special tailgate coming up this weekend. Obviously, it's our first home game in a while, so it's exciting just to have a tailgate, regardless of any other special things going on. But uh, one of our awesome members, Lexi Dupree. Apparently was able to win us a national contest with Moe's Southwest Grill, and we're going to have a uh, catered tailgate from Moe's uh, this weekend, so that'll be really fun for everybody that comes out. Free burritos for life! Yes! <laughs> and even more exciting is the fact that we're joining with the North Florida Chive to raise toys for children in need this Christmas. So everyone who shows up to the tailgate and brings a toy, we'll be able to eat and drink for free. All the, our alcohol comes from our great sponsors, Bricks Tap House, Green Room Brewing, uh, Bold City Brewery, and Carve Vodka. So it's going to be a great time, and we just encourage anybody out there to come out and donate some toys and have a good time prior to the Jaguars taking on one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, Certainly one of the best <laughs> defenses in the NFL. If you got something to look forward to... If it's not going to be the game, it might as well be the tailgate. That's right. That's I mean, the sure. tailgates are always a good time. Oh, yeah. And again, big shout out to Lexi Dupree for hooking us up on that. And uh, before we get too much into the matchup with the Broncos, we got to backtrack a little bit and talk about the very unfortunate loss to the Buffalo Bills this weekend. I feel like so. Bill where do we start? It's yeah, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. <laughs> it does feel like Groundhog Day. <laughs> The but alarm's just blaring, and I know it's going to be the same day over and over and over. Is it Sunday already? Uh, I, don't no, know, I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I was in the car for the beginning of the game, and when they scored that touchdown, I was like, we have a I chance. Know, I did, too. <laughs> so you're saying yeah, there's a chance. I get home and sit on my couch, and I'm like, oh, you got me again. I, I mean, that... 
outside of the, the Yeah, let's go with like one big point from each of us <laughs> from that game. What do you what do you take away from the loss? Um Defense played well. Again, they kind of uncharacteristically gave up a couple of big plays. Um, well, I think not necessarily the defense, but just the team, the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They give up terrible plays based on mental mistakes. And you can give up plays on offense as in missed opportunities and, right. and, and not making a, a play here and there. So I, that's a good way to think about it. I never really thought about it like that. Do you ever feel like the Jaguars are playing like Russian roulette? With like a cap gun, and then you get in through terms like, of what, you, like you, the play calling, just everything. Like you're you're playing with a cap gun. And yeah, you're going. It's going pop, 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 and all of a sudden you pull the trigger. It's like, oh crap, that's a real bullet. Like what the heck? Just yeah, like happened? as a like, Jaguar fan, you feel like it's just a, it's gonna happen eventually. What is going I was, I was like, waiting for it. At the, <sighs> at the beginning of the game, when we were on that first drive, I was like, they better score soon because the longer we have the ball. The higher the odds uh, go, that we're going to mess something up. I mean, that's what I mean. Like everything is going right. Everything's fun. It's a game. We're playing football. Blake Bortles is scrambling for thirty yards. It everything looks like a football game. At least what you would think. And then all of a sudden, it's like a real bullet comes out of the gun, and it's like this is this. Yeah, this is like real. This actually counts. <laughs> what's going on? This is not what we. You know, it's this it's undescribable. It, uh, it's it's shocking, but I feel like I'm like the last optimistic person in the city. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we'll turn you. I swear. I mean, Come I, to the I, dark I don't side. It's gonna happen. I, I still have my optimism. I see a lot of positives. Yeah, this is the guy who recently just said he's still this guy should be the coach. I am fully I'm gonna fight him on on live television. I would I would never say I was really on the Gus bus per se, but. I was definitely in the car right behind the bus, <laughs> following. I like you got you know? blowing your horn, yeah. you got your flag. Yeah, I'm like, let's go, you know. All right, he pulls into McDonald's. I'm like, let's go to Wendy's. I'd rather go there, but let's, fine, let's go to McDonald's, you know. But <laughs> whatever you want, coach. I I feel like I still have a little bit of optimism, and I we'll beat that out. Of I don't know don't what worry. it is. I don't know why. I don't know if it's my own self hatred for my happiness or what because he's but. like he's like a gypsy like a like a like a <laughs> we're just wait, wait, wait. who's a gypsy Hunter Gus Bradley he's at a, the guy at the flea market selling all this oh yeah he's gonna sell the cure to cancer oh, yeah he's, you believe he's got it. snake oil and guess what he got everyone yeah well everyone in Jacksonville has I, got God and he's I, a nice guy I mean I've I as a person I've been rooting for him but after a certain point you just have to like to me in this business, you gotta, you gotta learn to cut bait and move on. Maybe that's why, for me, I'm not on like y'all's side sometimes yeah. with that. Y'all are looking at it from this business side of things. And yeah. As, <laughs> like, okay, we're we're a little bit different. Not than even you. a business, but just think about it. Like, you you were given two years by the fan base mm-hmm. and the owner. More than you were given. Two years to not do anything. Pretty much last, three years. Last year, people started having expectations, and a lot of people finally started calling for Gus's head. Now it's come to its absolute crescendo, and it's and it's gotten worse. It's yeah, about it's, to happen. Like it it's, it's about to happen as soon as the season's over. It's got to happen. And I think I I don't know why I'm so different. I don't know if it's because I've met him on multiple occasions. I believe he's in got what, his hooks in you. He might. He I believe in what he's Stockholm he says, syndrome. Oh no! <laughs> it's it's. I don't know if I'm not seeing it from the fan slash business yeah. side of it. Like where yes, I don't want to pay my money. Trust me. On Sundays when I get up in the morning and the wife says, "Do you want to go to this game?" I don't. But I do, yeah, because right? it's an internal struggle. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but then not from uh, like my coaches slash former you know player side. It's like I see the positives. It's hard not to yeah. watch the film and watch the game live and see the things that are. It's like the wheels are really starting to turn, and it's just eventually they're going to catch. And I don't know. I'm having a hard time seeing that another coach is going to make those wheels turn any faster. Maybe it's hard that's for me to agree me. with you because the wheels were turning I, so quickly I with the know, offense at the end I of 2015. Know. And then they just completely came off at I, the beginning of 2016. I know. So, and I, so how about that Bills game? I, <laughs> we, yeah. 
now, that, now that we've had one of our multi-weekly oh, guests this events. has been an uh, underlying story that hasn't really come over oh the airwaves. Are we, are we talking? We, we can't be talking about that timeout. <laughs> All right, so back to the Bills, Scott. You mentioned the big play. Yeah, and so in this game, there was a couple it? of them. There was, I think you crunched the numbers earlier. Right, forty-three percent of their total yards. Came on two plays. Yeah, so right around forty to forty-five percent. Is that a half? Came on. <laughs> We're not going to try to get into fractions here with these guys. All right, I don't think anyone wants to hear us attempt math right now. I'll just say I became an English major because I wanted to avoid math and science at all costs. It was worth a try. So, uh, but yeah, the the two big plays that the Bills' offense had were a. Um, Tyrod Taylor ball down deep downfield to Sammy Watkins where Sammy Watkins might have had a little push off on our boy Jalen, but nonetheless it was a great throw and a really good catch for like 60, 62, 62 yards. And then LaShawn McCoy had a little run where looked like it should have got bottled up easily, but somehow Jalen Ramsey and Deshaun Gibson were both in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just a bad football play. And uh, I guess they were like an arm's length away from McCoy, both of them at the same time, and they just created a huge hole for him, and he took it to the house at the beginning of the second half. But those two plays accounted for, it's crazy to say, almost half their offense. Yeah, you you, you look at it and – Tyrod Taylor threw for like 160 yards. 60 of those were on one play. Right. Uh, LaShawn McCoy ran for 103 yards, I think. 100 some odd yards. And <clears throat> and 75 on one play. Right. Which like, he, he ran, averaged less than two yards a carry on the rest of his carries yeah. throughout the day. Besides that one So he was run. doing nothing. But that's the good thing about having a guy like, like LaShawn McCoy on your football team. Well, right. he can, uh, and the good thing anytime. about playing the Jaguars. Yeah, They're going to give up the big I mean, play at some point. But. Eventually. <laughs> you know, nice. it's got to happen at this point. Like, it's just that weekly thing. You know it's going to happen at some point. It's like the levees. It it's might. just the water's building up and building up. And at some point, if you don't do anything, it's going to burst. At right. least I can say that this week we did not have a moment where we said, oh, that's our Jaguars. I think we did. Did we, though? Um, like, yeah. As bad we as we've seen. The Two defenders bumping into each other, taking away an interception. Like I understand what you're saying, but I think we did when we didn't capitalize on the first in the first half on um, some field position, mm-hmm. and we had a chance to put the Bills down in a hole that they would not have been able to climb out of, no matter what they did, and we didn't do it. And we're not a team that at this point, as they're constituted now, the Jaguars are not a team that can afford to squander opportunities. They know that. Telvin Smith was on 1010XL yesterday, and he was the first to admit, you know, if we don't capitalize on an opportunity, or if we make the big mistake, we will lose. Mm-hmm. We know that, and we know we can't do it. There's a very small margin for error. That's right. And I think that margin for error is... In my opinion, because of Blake Bortles right now, but that's a whole, whole nother, whole nother topic right there. Um, so we can move on to some positives from this game. Yeah. Like you said, the defense, besides from those two <coughs> plays, the defense played pretty much flawless. The um, they forced two turnovers huh. that both got called back by referees. Erroneous. Neither of them. Neither of these were even close to being reasonable calls. We'll start with the first one. Telvin Smith nailed uh, LaShawn McCoy. And uh, right after they run into each other and right as Telvin starts to bring him backwards, it's not even half a yard from where the initial contact is made. The ball comes out and Telvin jumps on it himself. And somehow the referees blow the play dead for... Uh, forward, forward, progress. forward progress and I've never uh, seen a forward like, progress call like that in my life I've not, never seen it not that quick and not only that but how bad a luck do we have that the one play you can't challenge right we get like yeah. you can't challenge a forward I swear progress it seems call. like that ha- I don't know stats on this but it seems like there's so many times when Gus wants to throw the flag the and red flag can't, and yeah. the refs are like no you t- 
Can't Sorry. do it. You're and not, and not even just that. It's just had, like looking at the missed opportunities on turnovers that ended up being nullified is astounding this year. Yeah, it really is. Um, three come to mind, and we got to get to the second one that happened in this game. Uh, Tashawn Gibson makes an excellent play on a ball that was overthrown, and somehow the I believe Prince of Mukamara got called for pass interference. Sammy Watkins, like Prince was the guy that in primary coverage, and Tashawn Gibson was coming over the top. Prince didn't touch Sammy Watkins on the no. play. No, no one did. No, he did walk in front of him very briskly. <laughs> I mean, shit. The the Jaguars get no luck with this, and it's really unfortunate to see. There's also, besides from the two turnovers in this game, Allen Robinson got mugged on the sideline that never got called, and he's been getting mugged all year. They don't yeah. like him. They really don't. It's unfortunate for A-Rob, <laughs> and hopefully it's something that the NFL will look into in the offseason, because I'm sure the Jaguars will be filing <laughs> some complaints yeah. if they, I'm sure they already have. But it's just frustrating to see. But it all comes back to... Other teams can overcome things like this. Yeah. Good winning teams can overcome and it, having it, bad penalties called on them or having the calls not go their way or having a turnover or two in a game. But the Jaguars just can't do it yet. Yeah. And we, and we, and we I mean, we're talking all fire and brimstone. The rest are conspiring against us. We don't really think Don't that. pull Jim Harper. But, it, but was, it was really one of the worst officiated games you'll ever see. It was. It was but I don't think you can argue all, On the other hand... I don't know if it's this year that things are just going to shit or if it's just it's getting more publicized. The ref the refereeing this year league wide yeah. has, has been, been bad. atrocious. Yeah, and there's there's been a lot of play about that on the media, you know, other people are talking about it. Um there's been some suggestions that referees uh, should be full-time employees of the NFL. You won't have any, though. That's the um, problem. Yeah, the problem is that greatly would limit the field for referees because most of these guys have day jobs that are more important than refereeing to them. They're mostly successful, <clears throat> like doctors successful businessmen. Lawyers, yeah, lawyers. Yeah. And so, or that, muscle men. Like that wouldn't work. Yeah, really now, what I... What I... I, I heard a idea that I don't think is totally crazy. Instead of all the people that referee for the NFL being full-time employees, what if just the head officials were full-time employees? I know that would limit them too. You could have But could you not get like you could have 16 full-time full-time head of officiating on each game. Yeah. And just have them you're telling me you can't find 16 guys that can be an expert at that job? Yeah. I don't believe that. They got they can sit in a booth. They can look at all the camera angles. Having advantages. But then you got to look at that. <clears throat> okay, how much is that of being called as a uh, call being reviewed? You know what I mean? <coughs> it's going to slow down the game a lot. And not I'll, saying that wouldn't slow down the game. Well, if let's say it's a bang bang call, you know how if somebody gets if something gets challenged um, it, they're going to go under their hood. They're going to talk. They're gonna, it's going to take a couple minutes. If it's a bang bang play that the official throws the flag on, maybe it wasn't a penalty. You got to, hey, you get a call from the booth. Hey, I'm going to take a look at the call. I don't think that was right. Let me look at it. I'll get right back yeah. to you. So it's just, it's something where it's not a perfect, uh, until you actually put it into practice, you never know how it's going to turn out. I think yeah. it's one of the better options. I mean, I. Th- I personally think the whole officiating and reviewing things a joke anyways like it is a joke yeah. the problem is we're trying to take something that has been imperfect for its entire life which mm-hmm. is officiating in sports we know officiating isn't perfect we're trying to get it closer to perfect but our strategy in doing so is it's flawed. Yeah. If you're going to try and so make it perfect, make can't it, do it. Make it perfect. Right. Yeah. If you're going to make it perfect, make it totally perfect. Yes. Have every play reviewable. Yes. And just go all out at it. But that's not what we're doing. No, we're we're. It's like you're trying to fight with your hand behind time behind your back. Yeah. Like, and I feel I feel like officiating's always been like this. It's just now we have the technology to correct it, to review <laughs> it, to call it out. And it's just, it's having a human element 
between the correct call and what they saw is always going to be a hindrance. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I personally think that the my biggest issue with the officiating issue going on right now is how they've tried to take the human factor out of it in a way to me. Football and sports in general is such a human game. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, we're not playing a video game. We're not playing a yeah. pinball machine. We're playing a, a human, you know, it's, it's man-on-man game. When you take this booth review and it's a five-minute review that you're trying to figure out, did this guy touch the white line? It's ridiculous because really, if you think about it, how many millions of people can sit at home on any given night, see the play happen live, and say, "There's no way yeah. that was the right call." Or like, and then they show a quick review, and it's like, "Oh, I was right." Or like, <laughs> um, let's say, let's say there's a uh, a questionable fumble. Did he? Was he down? Was he not? The other team picks it up, brings it back for a touchdown. There's been times where they've gone under review, they've blown the whistle. Because they, they mm-hmm. assumed the player was down. He wasn't, in fact, down. And there hasn't been a clear recovery of the football. Yeah. Even yeah. though... Because they blew the whistle. There so was well. a clear reflu- <laughs> yeah. recovery. Yeah. And it's so just... the original team retains possession. It's like they're trying to make a perfect system, but they're still having imperfect people trying to I, run it. I personally... they. I don't think they need to try and make it a perfect system. You're never going to make it perfect unless what you do is you make everything reviewable. You make it a five-hour game. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, it's a little off topic of what we're trying to talk about. Yeah. We that's are, like we can, after the year kind we, of thing. We're, but, we are ranting. Uh, how about the Jaguars? Right? Yeah, we're you just know? going off big time right now. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. I think everybody here that's listening to this probably understands, you know, you're Jaguar fans. You, you're not happy with the officiating either. And we're not necessarily saying the officiating is the reason the Jaguars are losing. In fact, we're definitely not saying that. But it's certainly not helping. It's a factor. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to maybe something positive here. If we can try to come up with something <laughs> positive. Um, Blake Portals had zero turnovers this week. Yeah, yeah. He had 81 rushing yards. Very nice. That's now the second time in four games under Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator that Bortles has rushed for at least 50 rushing yards in a game. And I think it's it's something that the Jaguars have to k- keep using. Yeah, He is not a pocket passer. Yeah. Blake Bortles is a dual-threat quarterback. You saw how pumped he got I when realize, he made that big run. He is a dual-threat quarterback. I mean, you could call it a dual-threat. I wouldn't necessarily say a true dual-threat. Like, he's not a, a run-pass kind of guy. But he's a a mobile thrower. I guess is the best way to throw it. Like I feel like that dual threat is overused in a way because a dual threat to me is Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, and Blake, who looked better running the ball? I on mean, Sunday? Yeah, you're right. Blew him out of but I think when you look at Blake Bortles, he's more of a guy who you can use out of the pocket is he as gritty? a passer. He's very <laughs> is gritty. He gritty. You know, I think our team plays with grit. You know, I don't think they quit. <laughs> but I don't. Blake Bortles to me. Like, there's one play sticks out. There's a play where we motion Alan Hearns into the backfield, into the fullback, a little sniffer position. And sniffer. We, uh, yeah, sniffer. <laughs> For those that aren't, uh, you know, too terminology inclined. But we slipped him out into the flat. I think it was in the, uh, the red zone. And Blake Bortles scrambled. He ran for about four or five yards or something like that. It's a run-pass option, essentially. We're taking, Does that not mean you're using your quarterback as a... Again, I agree that he is, I guess, by the terminology standard, yes, he's a dual My threat. point is the Jaguars have to game plan trying to use oh, him I with his completely legs. agree. I think, if you, I think you game plan it, though, a little different than what you would tr- traditionally say a dual yeah. threat. You use it more as an, uh, a run-pass option kind of style where, okay, we're going to roll him out in the flats. If he likes it, he'll throw it. If he doesn't... Take your three, four yards. Maybe yeah. it turns into 10, 15 yards. And he's also got to be the guy that, if it's not there, when he's looking downfield while he's in the pocket, and it's a design pass, and this is what he's been doing lately, just take off and run. I'm totally cool Which with that. He did. If, there, if there's a hole and there's no and you can't find anyone open Go. downfield quickly, just go. And I think yeah. he did that in that first drive. Like yeah. There was a play, he the long scramble. He looked downfield. Felt a little bit of pressure, and there's they're in man coverage. There's no one in the middle of the field. Yeah. I'm going, and he did. And Take what the defense gives you. 
Yeah, yeah right. whatever that may be. I love it, and I I love Blake Bortles. Yeah, I do not want I him to not either. be the quarterback. I want him to franchise quarterback. Gosh, so bad. I love the guy so yeah. much. Like all the complaints about the bar hopping and stuff, I don't to care. Me, yeah, Just dumb. Be what that's, uh, that's a guy being a guy. I feel like we yeah. should be happy if he's about not, that if, in a way. If he's not like, doing it, that's so is Jacksonville. Is that not yeah. Duval esque? Like, yeah. Every everything we chant Duval, like is that not what we are? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I get people's concern with the bar hopping, but, like, there's a reason Jen Jag and myself, we never put anything out there about that happening. Sure, we'll talk about it in a podcast because that's what's the buzz around town, but I don't want to put that on pen to paper because, first of all, I've never seen him at the bars on a Saturday night before a game. I've heard conjecture that he's been out there, but do I buy it? I don't know. Do I think it really matters? I don't know. I gotta be at work at six thirty. I'm at the bar before work sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, granted, his job is quite a bit different I, than yours. He yeah, gets to wake up but, a little bit later. I'm <laughs> not getting paid millions. That's the difference. Yeah, right. But I mean, at the end of the day, the like, city's hopes and dreams aren't on your back. Yeah, I don't have a million fans sitting, hoping and wishing I'm not a you know the Ritz on a Saturday night. But <laughs> you find you find players across the NFL going to strip clubs. They got they got their own booth yeah. named okay. after them. I'll I'll. What what quarterbacks do you see doing that? Successful quarterbacks. Johnny I'm pretty Man. sure Matt Stafford. Johnny Manziel. <laughs> He's kind oh, of Matt weird. Stafford's out of the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't buy that. Matt Stafford. We are not saying that no, 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 the no, strip no, club. No. If you're I, listening, I also <laughs> believe that we are in a different age of football and professional sports as a whole. Where it's a lot more of a younger generation yeah. truly taking over the professional sport. Like, look at Von Miller. He's a very boisterous, flamboyant kind of character. Yeah, he's a he's a star. And I think Blake Bortles has just kind of put his foot in the door of what we could see later down the road as quarterbacks, where they're the same kind of character. But when you look at a quarterback, you expect the the Peyton Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the world that they're going to sit there on Saturday night till three in the morning watching film. Mm-hmm. What do you think Derek Carr does? What do I think Derek Carr does? I don't know, but he, I mean, whatever I he's doing, he's working. a student of the game. Yeah, that, no, that was my is. point. Like, I mean, he, he does. Is com- he is completely football. That is what is in him. Yeah, totally. And I think Blake is an alpha competitor. I really do. I think he's going to bust his ass to get it right this offseason. And and, and, and I'd be surprised if we don't see a much improved quarterback if, next year. If you, find, if you find somebody who works a full-time job, works, busts their ass, gives everything they have between the clock in and clock out, and doesn't go somewhere and blow off some steam, whether it's going home, watching TV, whether it's going yeah, out. Everyone has movies, their different things that they do to just... Now, decompress because because he's going because he might go out and go to a bar. That doesn't mean he's not he had he didn't spend the last four hours sitting at home reviewing film, yeah. going over the playbook, right. doing everything like that. Are we not the same? They're it, human. Is this not the same group of fans though? <laughs> that I'm pretty sure the first day Blake Bortles was in Jacksonville, he's they asked him where are you going right now. He said to the weight room. People love that, yeah. right? He might still do that. He's also... He's going to go to the weight room with a 12 He's also the guy <laughs> when they drafted Jalen Ramsey said, Hey, Jalen, you want some fireball? Which I love, by the fireball. way. Fireball. Yeah. Yeah, you mean, know, I just love Blake, and I just hope he's the right guy. And We obviously don't need to dive too deep into the Blake the Blake saga right now, but... I feel like we're airing our dirty laundry. Yeah. Going like, off all the rants that we've been holding back on <laughs> because we're trying to stay on business. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So... Um, I feel like this was one of the first games where it wasn't just like, come on. I'm just, I had a knot, I didn't have a knot in my chest. I was watching, I was like, okay, we're competitive, we're in this. We lost a football game. We lost a football That's game. That's what it felt We yeah. fought hard. We didn't absolutely kill ourselves. And I think the announcer even said that. But we lost. No, we, we lost. lost. Buffalo yeah. didn't win. There's no doubt about but that. But the sad thing is, is that that's become a positive yeah. thing. To some in, in, in some aspects, not I, you got to look for positive sometimes and everything. But even the announcer said this felt like a competitive football game, and that's, that the Jaguars just lost. And that's and that's that should be the norm. I, so we lost the football game. We're, it's going to happen, but it it should mm-hmm. be it should be where it every be loss feels like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's starting to it's starting to 
Like the guys are saying, the, in the wheels are the turning. <laughs> the wheels are turning. You can see it if you if you're really paying attention to everything that's going on. You can see it, but if you're paying attention to everything that's going on, you can also see that Gus Bradley's fourteen and forty five. So let's move on from the Bills recap, which really hasn't been much of a Bills recap. <laughs> we lost. What great. a great segment. Yeah. But we'll move on to a little bit of news and notes. I wanted to touch on an article uh, that that uh, highlighted Bart Scott's comments earlier in the week. He thinks that if Chad Henney was the starting quarterback, and if you don't know who Bart Scott is, Bart Scott is a former All-Pro pass rusher for the Ravens and Jets. Probably not anywhere close to a Hall of Famer, but he was a really good player. Uh, he's now an analyst for CBS. He thinks if Chad Henney was the Jaguars' starting quarterback, they would be 6-5. and five. And I find that to be a complete joke. I find that to be lazy. Um, I don't know if he said it in jest, but you can't put that out there. In my opinion, he looks like He's an analyst, a joke of an analyst right now. Yeah. How can you say you think the Jaguars would be better than Chad Henney? Have you watched Chad Henney play? Probably not. You probably haven't seen Chad Henney play the day, since the day he left Miami, if you're Bart Scott. You probably haven't. I, I mean, what, I, what is there to say about this? Like, he, it's a guy... I mean, you who, don't agree with him, do you? It's, uh, no, I don't necessarily agree. He's, but, he's looking at the NFL stats and going, Blake Boyles has a lot of interceptions. Yeah, that's That's probably exactly. cost him a lot of games. He's, Who's their backup? <clears throat> that guy would have won more. He, I, it's, it. it's almost, it almost feels like that kind of thing of how am I going to get some airtime on Sundays and, and he, make a comment. It's and the Skip we're Bayless still syndrome. About, exactly, but we're still talking about it on Wednesday. They make outrageous claims and it gets people talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a claim that will never be proven. That's yeah. part of it to me. Is a lot of these people. Yeah, he can easily say it, and he can. Yeah. he can always be like, "Well, was I wrong?" Exactly. Well, like, we don't it, know, but yes, you were. Wrong. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's like he slips in in the night and then just, just slips right <laughs> he, out. He, he yeah. plants an idea. Yeah. And he's like, it's, "All right, I'm out. I'll see you." Personally, I think it's a little absurd. I think it's just it's almost a waste of a comment. But it just shows you how little national people pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah. So if Bart Scott is listening, or if anyone that knows Bart Scott, <laughs> tell him that. You're the wrong. Jack podcast, first of all, says he's wrong, and second of all, says he's full of shit. Moving Boom. on. I'll take an autograph. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't. We'll be here all week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Gus Bradley. <laughs> oh, boy. We all know Gus Bradley's kind of lost it. I mean, he still can communicate and all that, but... Hunter, you can go in the other room I, if you don't I, want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Gus Bradley officially lost it, and he lost it on camera this time. This Monday, Ryan O'Halloran, who's a reporter for the Times Union, or a beat writer, whatever you call him, um, will save our comments on O'Halloran for another day. But he's he's asking Gus in the he's press conference... He's a legitimate reporter. He asks... Yeah, I questions. like O'Halloran personally. He rubs people the wrong way, <laughs> but I don't know why you're laughing. All right, so O'Halloran asks Gus about why did he decide to take the timeout when the Bills had the ball with 41 seconds left in the half and were about to kick a field goal. You would think he asked him. He spoke to him in Chinese. Yeah, Gus Bradley looked like. He had no idea what was going on with the question. He didn't answer the question properly. He didn't understand the question. He kept referring to, yeah, we had the ball with about a minute left. And uh, that's clearly not where O'Halloran was going. And anyone watching or listening could tell that's not where O'Halloran was going. And they kind of went back and forth a couple times. Gus just not understanding at all. And it was hard to watch. It was like... Not only has Gus clearly just been lost as a head coach, like, for whatever reason, it's just been a downward spiral the whole time he's been here, and now he officially loses it and, like, just doesn't even know what play someone's referring to from the game that they just played. And, like, he, he, he spends, it's, a, it's like a minute and 45 seconds of O'Halloran just trying to, like, say, no, no, you did this, this, 
why did you do this? He's like, yeah, yeah well, it's about middle of No, 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 no. Um, well, it was at this certain time. Oh, do you mean that? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about... With 41 with, with seconds 40, left. When they, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we were going to do that, but then we then we didn't. Yeah, we thought about calling the timeout, but then we just we just because we wanted to try and, and try and get the ball and and, and and score, but then we we just we decided not to. Oh, the Gus bus pulled off in the middle of Mississippi, <laughs> like Waffle House or something. Yeah, oh. it's, and 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 I mean, yeah, it, it's a guy. Yeah, it's just I don't. For I, cynical Jaguars fans, that is the icing on. I the think cake. that's the problem. For cynical people, they're gonna use this like bait. Yeah. For. Even the mediocre to optimist fan, like I, I have nowhere to explain it. I don't think really anybody does. I yeah, I don't. It's just it's it's it's. He it's, didn't understand what O'Halloran was talking about, and it just didn't come to his mind. At it's the a time. minute and forty seconds. Of yeah. his, it's a minute and forty seconds of his four-year coaching career here. Yeah. But it, it to me, <laughs> it, it highlights awesome. the four years. It's 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 it's, it's yeah. Assist, it's so just iconic of how things have felt. In this organization, it's just like we did what? No. Oh yeah, no. We we were, we were gonna try something, but then we were like, nah. I really wish I had a way to explain it. I don't <laughs> like. I've had moments. I've honestly never seen a coach no. not understand not a question con- like that. No, I really haven't. I've watched and, a lot of press conferences, and I'm and trying to think of a time where, like, even after a game, there's been a moment that I've maybe tried to force out of my mind. Yeah. That I've just completely. Change the situation around, but uh, to, I, um, that's the one thing I think this year that's happened that I am completely just maybe dumbfounded on. Yeah, yeah. I Which, mean, I, it's to me. To me, it's like it's the first time being head coach. There's a lot. There's a lot more goes into being a head coach than being a defense coordinator against under a few of the high, high, premier. Head coaches in the league, yeah. Um, so I mean, I just think it, it, it to me it looks like a guy who who kind of got overwhelmed. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Overwhelmed. Um, let's move on to the injury report for the Jaguars and the Broncos, which is also a bit overwhelming if you're a Jaguars fan. It does look like, in positive note, the Jaguars are going to get back Chris Smith, Dan Scuda, and Avery Jones. All of them participated in practice today. Um, unfortunate is the list of players who didn't participate. Rashad Green didn't participate with his Achilles. He's had issues with that a lot. He's also had issues with muffing punts lately. Yeah. Uh, Big time issues. So whether or not he goes... Whether or not he's able to go in the game this weekend might not matter because he might not seal the field anyways. Yeah. Um, Gus did say if Rashad didn't get injured last week, he would have pulled him from the game. Um, I guess the injury made it a little bit easier for Gus there. But Alan Hearns was out with a hamstring. Uh, He injured himself last weekend when he scored the touchdown. Mm. Uh, he's been struggling greatly. Obviously, the touchdown he play he made on a screen was awesome to watch. It looked like the Allen Hearns we love and know. But uh, So, if he's not able to go, that'll be a big setback for the Jaguars. Chris Ivory was out. with an, He has a hamstring as well that he tweaked, I think, in the... It was in the first half against the Bills. And it was really kind of... One of the things that set the Jaguars back big time in the game, Chris Ivory going out. Uh, Unique Ngakwe was out with an ankle. He injured himself again against the Bills. Uh, He leads all rookies in sacks with six, so he's a guy that the Jaguars desperately need on the field. Jared Odrick out with a shoulder. He's been out for a while. No one really cares if he's in or out. Not a big effect on the lineup. Not a big effect on the game. Julius Thomas... Kind of the same thing as Audric. No one really cares if he's playing or not, which is sad to say because both of those guys got huge contracts going into the 2015 season, but neither of them is really having a huge impact. Can I, can I say that Ben Koyak made a play that I've been waiting for Julius Thomas to yeah, make the Koyak's entire career? Yeah, Koyak's looked really good. That's a just, positive. Just a, just, a, just a run right up the scene, over, right behind the linebacker, underneath the safety, just... 
sitting that right in that tight spot through uh, Blake Borders through a great pass, and yeah. he brought it down a tough catch. Why, like, why is that not capable of calling that for a guy you're paying a ton of money? There's an issue. We don't know what the disconnect yeah. is, if it's between Bortles and Thomas, or it's between Thomas and the play callers. We don't know what's happening, but there's a, obviously that's something that's happened with Julius Thomas in this offense. Something. TJ Yeldon, who was very limited in the game against the Bills, was also a non-participant in practice today with an ankle. It's a lot of injuries that you really just don't want to see if you're a Jaguars fan heading into a game against a really talented Denver Broncos football team. Sure. Uh, the Broncos, however, had some interesting, very interesting news, and we're just seeing a little bit more of it. But um, it looks like Trevor Simeon didn't participate in practice today. Uh, he has a walking boot um, going on right now. I, I have a hard time believing he's not going to play because the Broncos are in such a pivotal position moving yeah. forward. Uh, and this is such an important game for the Broncos. Like they have to win this game. Yeah, they're, they're if you're a Broncos team that's seven and four fighting to make the playoffs, you're third in your division right now. You have to beat the Broncos. Yeah, you're chasing. I mean, you the, have to beat the Jaguars. You're chasing the Chiefs and the Raiders. Yeah, there's and the Chargers card. are right on your yeah, ass. Yeah, there's a wild card spot on the line. There might be three teams from the AFC West making it to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would bet on it. Honestly, I would, but. You've got the Steelers and Ravens in a tight division yeah. race and the other AFC North, so we'll see what happens. But I love the AFC West in terms of what those teams are doing. Um, Russell Okung's out. He hasn't been playing great for the Broncos either. He could play. It seems like he has a non-injury-related absence from practice, so we'll see what happens there. Matt Paradis, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's a center for the Broncos. He's out with a hip. Their long snapper is out uh, with a calf injury, Casey Kreider. And their fullback, Andy Janovic, I'm pretty sure I butchered all three of those names <laughs> right there, but he's now on IR after having ankle surgery. So um, the Broncos have some injuries of their own. Obviously, Trevor Simeon would be the biggest one there. Mm-hmm. If he's not able to go, that's a... That, you got to say that's a huge plus for the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, Paxton Lynch, he's a rookie. Talented guy, big arm, athletic, yeah. but he's, he's played Tim a couple Simeon's games. been playing good football lately. Yeah, uh, he's, he's better than Bortles, that's right. One of the more um, productive quarterbacks on third down. I think averages 10 yards of completion on third down, best yeah. in the league. So it's a guy who, he's not a world beater. Coming out of Northwestern, no one, no one, yeah. no one assumed he would be the guy leading a team. But he's a guy with the defense that they have. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. He's That's just right. got to be a game manager. And he's, I mean, they won. They're seven and four. Yeah, so he's been doing his job. Absolutely. And uh, again, you're listening to the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com on Twitter at Generation Jag and on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. You can find our co-host, Hunter Evans, on Twitter, at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. And Scott Klein, you can be found on Twitter, at Scott Klein one I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we are just super happy to have you guys here, obviously. A little bit of doom and gloom going on right now, but we're going to keep moving on and go ahead and look at the AFC South picture. What's going on with the rest of our division right now? The Texans are 6-5. and five. They just lost to the Chargers at home. Uh, their defense is very good. Their offense is very, very bad. Yeah. Uh, they're still in first place in the division, but the Colts and the Titans especially are right on their heels. The Texans play at Green Bay this week. Green Bay is coming off a nice performance against yeah. the Eagles. Aaron Rodgers seems to be getting back in. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is balling right now. Okay. He is Aaron Rodgers of old. Clay Matthews He's has back. a separated shoulder. Yeah, I mean, Matthews is a huge part of the Packers game plan every week and. He's one of those guys in the NFL you have to game plan for if mm-hmm. you're the opposing team, but 
Aaron Rodgers is the Packers. I saw, the Packers are Aaron Rodgers. I saw, if Aaron Rodgers is playing great football, yeah. you're good to go. And that's for the for NFL overall, your quarterback's most in position. But with the Packers, for some reason, it just seems like when they need a win, he takes it upon himself. Absolutely. He will do everything. Absolutely. And then you've got the Titans, who, my goodness, they're 6-6 six and six now. They just beat the Bears in Chicago. Disgusting. Um, so do we. <laughs> yeah, not a big so accomplishment. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not a big accomplishment, but in a division race where you're back by now only half a game, yeah, good for you got to be happy. They have a bye week this week, so if the Texans lose and the Colts lose, Can you then the Titans that? will be tied for first place in the AFC South. That's disgusting. Um, now... Now, if the Texans lose and the Colts lose, I mean, sorry, the Texans lose, Colts win, Titans don't play, all three of them will be tied at 6-6 six and six at the top of the division. Ugh. Pretty interesting. It's a terrible division, uh, obviously, and uh, the Jaguars are bringing up the rear of yeah. one of the worst divisions in football. Probably the worst division in football, yeah, if we're uh, being honest. Easily. Yeah. So, again, uh, we're going to be having a tailgate for charity this Sunday at the corner of Brian and Adams downtown for the Jaguar game against the Broncos. If you bring a toy for a child in need, uh, you'll get to drink and eat for free for the entire tailgate. And um, we're just really excited to be partnering with the North Florida Chive to do that. We're going to be having food from Mo's Southwest Grill. Our awesome member, Lexi Dupree, was able to secure this awesome tailgate event from Moe's for us where they're going to come uh, cater our tailgate and come on by, help out some kids in need and have some fun before the Jaguars take on the Broncos. And getting into the Broncos, here is our preview of the Jaguars at Broncos. Uh, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't start with the Broncos defense in this one. Yeah, it's... Their I mean, pass rush, my goodness... Only the Jaguars would have the misfortune, and I talked about this in my uh, article earlier today, only the Jaguars would have the misfortune to play the team that is leading the NFL in sacks two weeks in a row. That's unreal. (laughs) Heading into last week, the Bills led the league in sacks, and now the Jaguars face the Broncos, who overtook the Bills this weekend, and they have 35 sacks on the year. Um, Twelve and a half coming from Von Miller, who Ugh. he may just be the best My pass goodness. rusher of our era. I mean, if it's not him, it's Justin Houston. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Houston's had a lot more injury problems than Miller, and Miller's definitely the bigger name of the two. I mean, but I do love Justin Houston. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard not to. But it's like we're going to the Jaguars are going against the best pass rusher maybe of the past decade. And the best pass rusher of our generation. All on the same team. I mean, DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller are two names that when you think of pass rushing, if they're not top ten that we know, like, you're out of your mind. So it's going to be interesting. And then they've got Derek Wolfe, who the Broncos elected to bring back. back, And they didn't even go after Malik. I think they kind of had a feeling Malik was going to bring in bigger bucks than Derek. They, got, but, they certainly got a deal on Derek Wolf. He's a good football player. They're, playing, they're paying him pr- plenty of money, but you're right. For a guy who is as good as Wolf, that Wolf could be making a lot more money elsewhere. We're, we're gushing all over the Denver defense, and we haven't even mentioned the secondary yet. Yeah. I and mean, this is and, and it's just as good as any Yeah, their league. defensive front is amazing, obviously, with all the talent we're talking about. Their secondary might be just as good. Aqib Talib is maybe having the best season of his career. He has three interceptions, and he is locking down his side of the field. And on the other side is Chris Harris. And these two guys are the two top-rated cornerbacks in football, according to Pro Football Focus. I don't love Pro Football Focus, but they're not wrong when they're talking about the two top guys. Is, Is it crazy that both those guys were playing on the same college field, too? For at least a season. I mean, somehow they team up. Did they both go to Kansas? Yeah, they both went to Kansas. I did not know Harris yes. was from Kansas. Yes, I trust me, I didn't either. I need to check, check out your phone. That. Please pull that out. <laughs> but That's they crazy. did. 
Um, he was undrafted. Akib Talib obviously was not undrafted, but now they're teaming up to make it got to be the best corner duo in the league. Um, oh yeah, at least one of the most dominant we've seen in a while too. And it's just yeah, they're reminiscent of for me. You know, you think about when Earl Thomas and Brandon Browner were at the top of yeah. their game, when uh, Darrell Revis and Cromartie were at the top of their game together. When throwing the ball was almost like a distant memory. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What, it's what it feels like. I will say, he is correct. <laughs> Kansas it is. How Maybe that's it? how they beat Texas this year. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> where Dang the heck it. was that? Like, uh, why wasn't Kansas winning more? Uh, actually, I, I do Rock think Kansas was actually Jacob, better right? when Tlaib was there. I mean, they were... I think when Tlaib was there, they had a couple They won, seasons. like, four games. Yeah, they, so, yeah, they were better. <laughs> they broke the record. They beat Sisters of the Poor that year, I believe. Oh, but, Lord. I mean, the, the so, Broncos' defense is... They didn't really take a step back from last year. Yeah, well, they have in one way, and it hasn't really had a huge effect on their season because um, they're still only giving up 19-point-something points a game, under 20 points a game. They're giving up only 190-some-odd yards through the air every game, which is first in the NFL. The Jaguars are third in that category, Ooh. by the way, so we're right behind them there. But um, their run defense is not as good as it was last year. Bottom line, it's not. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to losing Danny Trevathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a just he's an awesome linebacker. He's fun to watch. Plus some other big guy we know and love. And, uh, yeah, what's that guy that plays for the Jaguars that makes $92 million? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Malik Jackson. He's pretty good. I, I, think, that's mm-hmm. I think that's him. Yeah, I'm yeah, not he's sure. He's pretty but... good. That's a lot of beef in the middle of that that lineup that's missing. So now the Broncos' D isn't terrible against the run. They're giving up 4.3 yards a carry and 120 yards a game on the ground. But that is the sort of defense that you need to be able to take advantage of your ground game if you're the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. Uh, You're not going to be able to win the game just throwing the ball around the yard all all day because these corners are just not going to let you do it. And if you're trying to do that, the pass rush is going to get to you as well. So we're going to have to be able to run the ball. And with Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon both not participating in practice, you've really got to worry about if the Jaguars are going to be able to do that. Can we bring back two-yard Toby? Well, no. 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 As much as Denard Robinson gets no credit for what he's done in the NFL, he is not a bad NFL running back and. I like it when he's on the I, field. I can't complain too much about it. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to look it up. I feel like Denard Robinson's career average has got to be over four yards a carry. He did break the streak of non-100 yard rushers for us. So <laughs> he did. That's a saint. He lives in Jaguar <laughs> lore for a little bit. And the... Oh, yeah. Good. I was going to make an ill-time Ill joke. <laughs> so, Denard averages 4.1 yards a carry, and when he gets the ball a lot, he does do, he does good work. I mean, he's not a pro bowler, but he's the type of guy that I think has gotten just super overshadowed, and I don't really understand why, to be honest. Um, but moving on, the defense for the Broncos has 10 interceptions, 10 fumble recoveries. Both of those are top 10 in the NFL. So this is a team that likes to take advantage of turnovers. The Jaguars like to turn the ball over. I'm sure they don't like to do it, but they sure look like they like to do it. (laughs) And we're allergic to turnovers on defense. Right. So the Broncos actually, offensively, they they turn the ball over a good bit themselves. Uh, I think their turnover differential is only plus four, which is obviously way better than the Jaguars' (laughs) turnover differential. But... um, they, they give the ball away some, too, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Now, Denver's offense tries to be balanced. They run the ball a lot, but they do not succeed at running the ball very often. Yeah. Since C.J. Anderson went out with injury, uh, Devontae Booker's been getting uh, pretty much all the carries. And over the last four games, he's been averaging exactly three yards a carry. If and we don't... Just, that's not a recipe for success, but they just keep on doing it. Well, it, it seems like it's a little bit of a hangover from the Peyton Manning style offense to what 
Gary Kubiak wants to do as an offense. I mean, yeah. Peyton Manning's a spread the ball out, let's throw it 50 times a game, and Gary Kubiak's a let's run the ball, and now run we're going to and then we're gonna bootleg, you know, out around stuff. Um, it, plus, that offensive line's not very good. It's, no, their offensive line is actually garbage. It's yeah. bad. If like, you want to bad. be real. It's terrible. Uh, they've given up 11 sacks in the last two games. I mean... Hey, Jaguars fans, at least you don't have that. I was about to say that. I mean, (laughs) Trevor Simeon's been on his back a lot uh, the past two games. And despite being harassed by opposing teams' defenders, Simeon has actually been playing pretty well lately. In the last four games, he's averaging 296 yards per game, 37 attempts, which who would have ever thought that for Simeon this year? 37 attempts per game excuse me, over the last four. He's thrown seven touchdowns, and he's also thrown four interceptions. So the Jaguars need to be able to capitalize on that last stat, the interceptions. If they can't get a turnover, I mean, <laughs> they just can't win games. We need all it's that obvious. Game. They've lost six straight, if I'm correct on that. And they just can't turn other teams over over that period of time. So... Uh, They've got to be able to turn Trevor Simeon over or be able to force some fumbles, or maybe they can take advantage of Jordan Norwood, who muffed two punts last week. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll still be back there for the Broncos that's, returning that's, punts that's after the question. that. But, you know, you've got to be able to take advantage somewhere. Maybe they'll be able to take advantage if the Broncos' long snapper is not out there. Maybe you won't have some perfect snaps on punts or uh, uh, field goals or extra points and take advantage of that, but... The Jaguars have to find a way to take advantage of the other team's deficiencies, which they just haven't been able to do yet so far this year, except for two games. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Broncos, I think in this situation, you are a team that's on the cusp of the playoffs mm-hmm. in a very tough yeah. AFC And right West. now they are on the outside looking in, so this is a must win. They're in a very tough division right yeah. now with AFC West. You have to win this game. And this is a team that you can beat, so in a way you're maybe overly aggressive where the Jaguars can capitalize. So the turnovers you're talking about, the interceptions and maybe the forced fumbles, become more relevant because maybe Trevor Simeon tries to force a ball trying to win the game. Or maybe C.J. Anderson or whoever the running back is this week. Bucker. Is that who it is? Yeah. Whoever it is at running back maybe tries to get that extra yard, and we do punch it out, and it's not a forward progress call. <laughs> who knows? Good luck with but, that. That's the kind of situation where the Jaguars are in. The teams are coming in expecting to beat them, so they're going to push. And I think this can be that kind of game where you steal a couple turnovers. Yeah. Takeaways, really. So what could ha- that could happen. Or the Broncos could just get the turnovers. Yeah. That could happen or Mr. Jackson on the first freaking drive of the Texans game. Yeah. I'm Mr. Brightside. Yeah. Yeah, just I, I can I can so see Akeem Talib just scoring or Blake, Chris Harris on Blake the first Bortles play. Blake Bortles will be at uh, home on Saturday yeah. night. You know we'll be well rested. We're ready to that go. That secondary is going to give me nightmares. Nah, just so, bad dreams. <laughs> we mentioned Malik Jackson before. Uh, he's playing out of his mind the last month of the season. He had his best game so far. Oh yeah, he's he been had, getting better every he, week. I think that was last week was probably his best game as a pro. He had two sacks and. One of his sacks was just... He was in coverage. It's impossible to really describe it. You just need to go look at Malik Jackson's highlights from the game. He is like a couple yards downfield off the line of scrimmage in his coverage duty. And he breaks off his coverage duty when he realizes there's no one where he needs to be in his zone. And he chases Tyrod Taylor down and he gets to him... It looks like Miles Jack's running at him, not Malik yeah, Jackson. You know what I mean? He hawked down a 4-4, legit 4-4 yeah. athlete. Yeah, it was just really impressive for Malik. and He's the type of guy that needs to be a leader moving forward, and it looks like he really is stepping into that leadership role and really showing it on the field. And You hope for him and for the Jaguars' D and the Jaguars as a whole that Unique is able to go this week because Ngakwe is killing it. Six sacks leads all rookies this year, and if the Jaguars hope to slow down the Broncos' offense, they need to get them off schedule, and they need to get to the quarterback, and they need Ngakwe for that. They really do. So uh, 
That's pretty much going to wrap it up for our show this week. I uh, know we went off on a few tangents <laughs> on y'all, but I think everybody had a pretty enjoyable time. Um, again, I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We've got Hunter Evans, who's at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven on Twitter. Scott Klein's with us on the right here. He's at Scott Klein one. And, of course, remember to follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar, on Twitter, at Generation Jag, and check out the website, genjag.com. We've got all the latest news and analysis, all things Jaguars, and we've got the newest fan group in, the, in Duval in the 904, and uh, we're looking forward to raising some toys for charity this weekend at the tailgate. Thanks for stopping by, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.